Season's greetings. I'm Clarence Boone and welcome to Bring It On, a multiple Best in Indiana Public Affairs award-winning program now in its 14th year. As Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting the African-American community. While the Bring It On crew takes a break for Christmas and New Year's, we have produced a special Bring It On broadcast highlighting interviews and features on several fascinating people and topics. For tonight, we begin with an April 30th conversation from this year featuring Katherine Thompson, a Thriving Connections coach from the Indiana South Central Community Action Program. Thriving Actions is an initiative geared toward building on the power of relationships to bring people together for change. I'm joined in this conversation by bringing on anchor Cornelius Wright as we speak with Katherine Thompson. Thriving Connections builds on the power of relationships to bring people together for change. A local guiding coalition provides the framework to increase the emotional and financial stability of participating families and reduce their use of welfare benefits. Just as importantly, Thriving Connections brings the experience of poverty into the hearts and minds of community members and leaders, taking us one step closer to a national commitment to end poverty. Thriving Connections captains and allies are matched by their talents and interests and are each asked to make an 18-month commitment. Everyone is expected to meet with his or her team at least once a month. In addition, captains are asked to attend the weekly community meeting. Children's programs and programming and dinner are provided during this time. It is a connection formed during these meetings with allies and other captains that builds respect and understanding, linking people together to end poverty one family at a time. And to tell us more about this unique program, we are thrilled to have Katie Thompson, a Thriving Connections coach from the Indiana South Central Community Action Program, and Asia Jester, a captain with the Thriving Connections Program. Um, Katie and Asia, welcome to Bring It On. Welcome, ladies. Hello. Thanks for having us. All right. Now, we talked a little bit before we went live, and we talked about the fact that, wow, this sounds like an incredible program. If it achieves, um, say, 50% of its stated goals, it's making a tremendous impact. And I and Cornelius were asking pretty direct questions about, you know, okay, who thought of this? Uh, where is this from? And, and so let's uh, start with Katie. Tell us a little bit about the history of uh, Thriving Connections. Um, so Thriving Connections has been in the community for about 10 years. Um, we actually have been called Thriving Connections for about four years. Um, then the time prior to that, we were actually known as Circles. Um, and Circles was actually a national initiative that used a lot of the same structures that um, Thriving Connections uses. Um, they were the ones who came up with the idea of, they called them leaders, we call them captains um, and allies. The idea of the team, um, the idea of the intentional friendship, working on goals, these are all things that we pulled um, from circles. So we were an official circle site for many years. Um, and then about four years we uh, four years ago, we decided to transition um, away from the national model and towards Thriving Connections. So we kept some stuff and we changed some stuff as well. Um, probably the biggest thing that we want to focus on um, is emotional growth, personal growth, um, and the role that emotional trauma can play in poverty and getting out of poverty. We were finding that um, a lot of the challenges that our folks were running into were challenges that couldn't just be addressed by go to school, get a job, go to school, get a job, but rather we were finding that these traumatic emotional experiences that had happened to folks um, were actually getting in the way of those achieving them achieving those goals. And so it was very important um, to address that so that folks could actually move forward with their lives. And how long has the program been here in Monroe County? 
Um, about 10 years. Yeah. So we, we started about 10 years ago in Monroe County. Um, and this was the same uh, time span as the National Initiative? Um, the National Initiative is actually a little bit, um, it's a little bit older. It's been around for a little bit longer. Okay. Um, yeah. And and the ideal, and I know everyone is different, so I, rather than say the, the profile of your typical, uh, tell me the type of person you may see that is who is participating in this program. Sure. Um, the kind of folks that we work with are folks that are, um, they're very motivated to get out of poverty. Um, they might have tried a lot of other things and found that it didn't really work for them. Um, we have folks from all walks of life. We have folks um, all ages. We have people who, um, we have some young folks. We have a gentleman who just turned 20 all the way up to um, one of our senior members is 64. So we have a really big mm. age range. Um, but the one thing that all those folks have in common um, is that they're really ready to begin their journey out of poverty. Um, and they're ready to also make relationships and connect with people that that's important to them is making those connections. And Asia, how did you hear about the program and what motivated you to get started? Well, I initially heard about the program um, serving on the SCAP Policy Council. Um, members of Thriving Connections came in to talk to us about um, their membership drive type of situation and well, it didn't take me long to feel like that was exactly where I belonged. Excellent. So, allies, captains, how do you recruit? Are there any special qualifications? And we'll get back to the captains a little bit later. But, yeah, are there any special qualifications that, that, um, that people need in order to be either an ally or a captain? Um, the most important qualification is just that you, you want to get connected and you want to make connections with folks. That's the most important qualification. Um, for allies, what we're looking for is um, folks that are just relatively stable resource-wise. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be um, doing very well in that aspect. Um, you just sort of have to be a little bit stable. And the reason that we, we ask that is just because folks who are working their way out of poverty, a lot of times um, it can be very, very helpful to have um, allies and people connected to them that do have that stability, that that can really help um, with brainstorming, that can help with connecting resources, um, connecting folks together who might not share resource networks. So we're looking for, yeah, anyone can be an ally who is relatively stable and is interested in connecting and learning about um, what it's really like to live without enough resources in Bloomington. Age restrictions, are there any other restrictions such as felonies, the same old things that normally keep people back or are there anything like that involved? Um, there's no there's no age restrictions. Um, we generally find that folks that um, are very, very young a lot of times don't necessarily always have that stability um, to offer. We have lots and lots of different ways you can volunteer with Thriving Connections though. If you're interested, we have lots of service learners from IU that come and help us with our youth community. Um, we have programming. It's not just child care on our Thursday night meetings. We actually have programming for the youth. So we have um, social work and elementary ed um, work or student service learners that come in um, and, and work with our kiddos. So there's lots of different opportunities. There's no upper age limit. Um, we have a lot of retirees, folks who have a little bit more time and want to give back to their community. Um, in terms of, we do run background checks on anyone who comes to our, um, that, that comes to our meetings on a regular basis, but all we're checking for is um, violent crimes and crimes against children. So any other felonies are, that's, that's not relevant to what we're checking for. So. And a couple, couple follow-ups. Uh, must a person live in a residence, a home, an apartment, or can they live in a shelter and take take advantage of this program? Oh, that's a good question. Um, 
For folks, um, when, we, when we're recruiting for leaders, we do tend to um, want to find folks who aren't in active crisis. Um, we find that um, in, in just knowing about sort of human psychology and the psychology of our basic needs, um, it's called the hierarchy of needs, that if your basic, your most basic needs, food, shelter, um, physical safety, transportation, clothing, if all that stuff isn't taken care of, it's very, very difficult to focus on anything higher than that. So um, when we recruit for, for captains, we generally do try to find folks who um, aren't in that active crisis just because the resources that we have are more um, helpful for folks who are a little bit more stable. And there are say social programs you can refer those people to to get out of crisis absolutely absolutely okay and 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 follow up to to that uh, we we talk about this word poverty and and maybe in the minds of some poverty conjures up so many different things Mm -hmm. from a financial uh, threshold to something more Um, and probably if you ask 10 people you may get (coughs) five or seven different answers but what definition of poverty do you use and um and, and then also, I've heard, just as a follow-up, I'll just ask this now, um, I've heard that a lot of people are one paycheck away from what may be defined as poverty. So what is your definition of poverty? So the definition of poverty that we use at Thriving Connections is that poverty is about living without enough resources. Um, and so a lot of times when we hear resources, we just think money, but it's actually about much more than money. Um, in Thriving Connections, we actually identify lots of different resource areas. So we've got um, basic needs, we've got mental, we've got spiritual, we have um, mental, physical, spiritual. We've got we've got a lot of different um, emotional. We've got a lot of different areas. Um, and you could be without enough resources in all of those areas or some of those areas. Um, but we like to define poverty as being not just about money because it's about more than just that. And one of the things that Thriving Connections is really focused on is we're focused on helping people to build their financial resources and meet their basic needs. Absolutely. But we're also really interested in how can we use those relationships and those connections to help bolster those other resource areas to help bolster people's um, mental, emotional, spiritual resources um, that they have. And Asia, let's hear about a typical Thursday evening and also what you've gotten out of the program so far. Well, a typical Thursday evening, we meet at 6 o'clock at St. Mark's, which is, um, so our meeting start, we have a meal together, which, you know, People say that when you eat with people, you feel a better connection with them. So I think that that has been a big part of us coming together. Um, after about an hour for the meal, the children are dismissed to the um, the staff that are there for them. Um, they have programming. I know my children get really excited about some of the different things they're doing. Um, and for us, on a typical, well, we... Initially, when I started the program, we were doing our class, so it was a lot of learning, and the learning was centered around poverty and the other issues that influence poverty, um, like she said, emotionally, physically, uh, socially, and financially. Um, And we did a pretty intense 20-week class um, exploring those topics. Once we finished that, um, we're in the process of kind of just getting to know each other. So we do a lot of community activities. Sometimes we have speakers come in from outside um, to talk to us about related topics, or um, we're able to give our opinions on 
issues that affect our community a lot. So we have some people who generally the people who are considered in poverty wouldn't have an opportunity to offer up their thoughts on certain issues. Um, recently we did um, a meeting about the transportation in Bloomington, which our demographic um, utilizes the public transportation a lot. So it was um, an opportunity for a lot of our members to feel like their voice is going to be heard. Um, we end, um, we start our meetings off with um, appreciate. No, we end with appreciations, where um, we're able to appreciate someone without them being able to respond. Respond. Um, it kind of just leaves you with a warm feeling in your heart. We start our meetings off with new and goods, which is an opportunity for everybody to um, give an example of something new and good that has happened to them in the last week. Awesome. Now, you mentioned the children. How many children normally on a, a Thursday evening would be at the program? And the reason I'm asking is for a selfish reason. As we <laughs> talked earlier before the show, you know, the Read 200 program is going on in the city of Bloomington and Monroe County. So we could have some folks come out there to read to the kids to make a win-win type situation. So I just want to kind of see how many children, the age groups that we're dealing with, so that we might be able to talk about something like that. That would that would be great. I would love that. Um, we usually have between uh, 25 and 35 kids. Um, so it just depends on the evening. Um, on and a really busy night, we might have we might have 20 to 25 kids. Um, on a slower night, we might have five or ten. Um, it just really depends on which which families are able to to make it out that night. Um, our kids range in age from uh, one of the women who is actually in our in our class in our training um, actually gave birth at the very beginning of September. So we've got a little little tiny itty bitty um, running around. Well she's not running yet but um, we've got a little tiny itty bitty all the way up to um, we've got teenagers who are 14, 15, 16 um, and everything in between. So we've got a really good age range. Now, I know we talked uh, a couple of weeks ago, and you mentioned how one family actually has a child that is now in the program. Would you mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit? Because that was just really inspirational. Sure. Um, so um, the the woman uh, who is in it, her name's, uh, her name's Tracy, and she came to the program about 10 years ago. So she's actually been in it almost since the beginning. Um, so when she started, her son would have been nine um, and he had a lot of challenges had a lot of behavioral challenges um, and in her involvement in the involvement in thriving connections and the time she was there she went back to Ivy Tech she cut two different associates degrees um, and now she's working full-time at a doctor's office through IU Health um, she has a Habitat for Humanity house so she's a homeowner um, and in the time that um, her son Dante has been here um, he's just he's grown tremendously um, into this very self-aware very poised young man um, he talks very openly about his challenges um, he's just he's he's a delight I love him so much um, and he um, yeah he was in our class as well he was in our, our class and he's very very proud to call himself a second generation captain so yeah. raising the awareness of poverty in the community and ending poverty one of the uh, the bold goals over overarching goals uh, do you see yourself breaking generational patterns through this program, and if so, what examples can you share? 
Um, well, that's that generational poverty is huge, and we actually use um, what's called the two-generation model um, because what we find is that generational poverty can be so, so difficult to break. It's a lot of times those interventions that um, when you're engaging with the, the parents in that generation, um, a lot of times the real change that you see actually comes with the kids um, that are, that are the, the kids actually do do much better. Um, and so the example that I gave with Tracy and Dante is probably one of our, one of our best examples. Um, of, of parents who have gone through and um, their, their kids have, have done much better as a result. Um, another one of our families, uh, she's very, very proud that um, she has three daughters um, and two of them own their own homes. And she's very, very, very proud of that. So she, she likes to tell that story a lot. Tracy was a successful participant in a, and did you assist her with career counseling and uh, helping her with job interviews, or was that just a skill set that she just picked up? Um, those are all things that we try to, if we can't provide them directly in Thriving Connections, we try to <coughs> connect people to those. Um, mm-hmm. Work One is a place where we go a lot, but I know for Tracy in particular, um, one of her allies actually helped her to navigate the Ivy Tech experience. She was talking about how she was sort of going back and forth with someone who was having a lot of challenges communicating, and she actually went to an in-person meeting, and that person and um, her ally actually went with her and was able to um, support her in that meeting and talk to her and, and kind of get, get what she wanted. Um, so allies are definitely a big part of that. They lend their expertise in sort of formal and informal ways. Um, sometimes they're able to impart that job coaching or those concrete skills. And other times they just act as cheerleaders, um, not just, but they're there for support. They're there to go places with you if you need to. They're there to brainstorm when you run into trouble. They're there in an emergency. Um, so they, they provide this real mix of kind of of concrete and more kind of abs- abstract or kind of warm fuzzy. Now speaking of the allies, how do you match allies and captains? And then after you answer, the answer that, I'd like to kind of go to Asia and ask her the relationship between captains and allies, how that works. Sure. Um, so one of the most important things is that we <laughs> want our captains to be Um, to get the allies that they feel will be best for them. Um, So what we do is when we have the whole pool of new allies, we actually go through a process that we call speed dating. And so what they do is um, the captains come up with their own questions that they then ask the allies and they go around and um, the captains stay in one table and then the allies will will switch places with them. Um, And these can be questions from anything from like, do you like video games to um, are you you a Christian? For some people that's very important. Um, One of the questions we've had in the past is, are you comfortable working with someone who's been incarcerated? Um, So the captains get to ask whatever questions they want to ask to try to suss out who the allies are and who would be their best fit. And then what they do is they write down their top seven choices. um, And then as um, staff and then with the guiding coalition as well, we actually take the piece of paper and cut them up and lay them out on the ground and try to move allies to different different captains to form the teams. Um, And then we get input from our guiding coalition as well. So how many how many captains does one ally have? Um, so it's actually, it's a little bit, it's how many allies does one captain have? Yeah, so that's a great question. I'm glad you asked that. Um, a team consists of one captain to three to four allies. So it's actually a one-to-many kind of situation, which is why we're we're pulling so hard to, to find these allies. Um, we've got 10 captains right now, so that means we're looking uh, between 30 and 40 allies. Um, 
So it's it, it helps to kind of um, diversify as well because we could have one ca- one ally who maybe is really really good at job stuff or money stuff, and then one ally who maybe um, has connections to let's say the school system if the uh, captain has kids and has concerns about their kids. Um, we can we can have kind of different. They can play different roles, and then they can also support each other. So, so Asia, let's hear a little bit about your allies. Uh, what drew you to them? How it's been working so far, and 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 recommending this program for others that might be in a situation like you were a while ago. Well, I actually right now I haven't been matched with allies. I'm kind of involved in this search for um, allies. We finished the class, but I have found um, that in this interim period, I've been supported immensely by the entire community, and that's what makes it so wonderful. Um, some some of the allies who are still around and, and have been matched and, and aren't my ally per se have been very influential and helpful and even just encouragement and conversation. Um, one of the best things I take away from the program is the feel of community. And I would even go further than community and say it's almost like family. I do live here in Bloomington. I have five children. And I don't have any family here. So um, one example of how Thriving Connections has helped me is like I need I felt that I needed um, reinforcement in a situation I was dealing with. And I was actually able to call and have someone. Well, actually, the director is that a role coordinator a coordinator um, attend a, a what was for me a very important me- meeting. Um I'm usually able to communicate for myself well, but her support in being there um, just gave me what I needed to get through the situation. Um, what was your other question? I'm sorry. Well, basically, um, how, how has it helped you so far, and would you recommend this? How would you recommend to people that may be a little leery of joining? Um, what would you say to them? Well, I'm always... Um, to, to people that I know in the community who I feel would be a, a perfect match, I'm always telling them even now that when we have our next class, I'm going to make sure that you're there. Um, the sense of community and support, I mean, those are the biggest two things for me. Um, and 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 when you see that void being filled in your life and then you see other people who have that void, it's like, oh, my God, you need to be here with me. And, that, and that's kind of how I leave every meeting. Like, I suffer from some anxiety. And sometimes going to Thriving Connections on Thursday is the only time that I leave the house. <laughs> so, I mean, and that, and that says a lot. I mean, it does. I want to jump in uh, right now for those who just tuned in to bring it on. Uh, we're having a, a very wonderful, insightful program uh, this evening. And we're having a conversation with... Uh, Katie Thompson, who is a Thriving Connections coach, and Aja Jester, who is a captain with Thriving Connections. And this program is run from the Indiana South Central Community Action Program. We have a couple minutes left, and I, uh, Katie and, and Aja, I want to both give you an opportunity to recruit. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the philosophy, the program function and all. Now I want to leave the remaining time for you two ladies to tell us uh, or to share with our listeners how they can get active and, and why they need to get active with this. 
Okay. Um, well, we definitely, we need allies. Um, we've got 10 recruited so far, and as you heard, we need 30 to 40. So we definitely um, are on our way, but we need more. Um, we're having an event tomorrow night. Um, that's Tuesday, May 1st. It'll be from 6 to 7 p.m. We're having an uh, dessert and information night, so you can come and get some tasty treats, learn a little bit more about Thriving Connections. Um, that's from 6 to 7 p.m., and it's at the South Central Community Action Program Office, which is at 1500 West 15th Street, and that'll be from 6 to 7 p.m. tomorrow night. Um, if you can't make that, I know it's kind of short notice, um, you're also welcome, everyone's welcome to drop in to one of our weekly community meetings. Um, we meet from 6 to 8 p.m. on Thursday nights at St. Mark's United Methodist Church, which is off of the bypass, kind of behind the Best Buy. Um, we share a meal together. We share programming. It's a really great way to just jump in, meet the community, get the vibe. Um, Asia talked about how she feels when she leaves the meetings, and it's kind of you really kind of can't describe it until you've you've been there. The the vibe that that it gives you, you just you just feel really really good being connected with folks. Um, if anyone is interested and for whatever reason can't make it to either of those, um, or just wants some more information before they come out, um, feel free to contact me. Um, my email is k. Thompson, T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N, at I-N-S-C-C-A-P dot org. You can also give me a, a call at 812-339-3447, extension 521. Um, we need allies. Please come out and, and check us out, um, just even just to see what we're all about. We'd love to have you. Presents and cards are here. My world is filled with cheer and you. As mentioned at the top of the hour, you're listening to a special Bring It On broadcast highlighting interviews and features on several fascinating people and topics. Our final interview is a very poignant one featuring an inspiring couple, Marquel and Beverly Rettman. Many may remember that Bev was the former Miss Beverly Smith, a longtime co-anchor on Bring It On. They joined us on February 12th of this year to discuss their award-winning book, Revelations of a Real Man, or woman. Here now is that interview. We are most pleased to be joined by an inspiring couple, Marquell and Beverly Redmond. Many may remember that the former Ms. Beverly Smith was a longtime co-anchor on Bring It On. She also worked as Director of Diversity, School, and Community Services within the Monroe County Community School Corporation. Bev is joined by her husband and author, Mark. <coughs> they have brought their award-winning book, Revelations of a Real Man or Woman, to the Bloomington area to celebrate Black History Month. This evening, they are going to share with us how they are promoting their miraculous story of faith, fidelity, and family. Revelations takes readers on a short yet powerful journey through Mark's life as he navigates challenges, including the loss of his parents, divorce, fatherhood, amputation, and finding love again. Some decisions empowered his life while others left him stagnant. But through it all, Mark knows firsthand that rebounding is possible when you faithfully choose to address your shortcomings. Mark and Bev, welcome to Bring It On. Welcome, thank welcome, you. Welcome. Thank you, thank it's you, thank you. It's great to be back in the studio. I bet it is. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the other side on of the, the other table. Side of the table. Yeah. It's really different. First time, huh? <laughs> yes. Okay. So, Mark, uh, talking about uh, your book. Yes, um, sir. Is this primarily a religious-based book or just a man whose experiences reinforces his religion? I would say it's a, a 
mishmash of the two. It's a religious-based book, but done with a real-life commonality to it. Um, it's not just for those who believe, it's for those who want to believe. So it, it covers a, a multitude of, of genres. So how, how did you get started? Did, did, now, knowing Bev, I would guess she pushed you. And you are absolutely correct. <laughs> what? Actually, I started my journey towards authorship uh, at Bev's request. I had uh, just recently undergone a surgery where I had most of my foot amputated, and I was not in a very good place. And I was just being just a, a malcontent, uh, a total grouch. And Beverly said, well, you know what? You need to find something to help you through this. Why don't you just start writing what's just going on with you? So I started writing, and at first I did it begrudgingly just to appease Beverly. We were dating at the time, so I wanted to still put my best person out there. And after a while, God started moving the pen, and then words became sentences, sentences became paragraphs, paragraphs morphed into pages, and pages became chapters. So I will have to say that it it was all because of Bev. Thank you. Wow, I, I was wow. going to ask Bev what was her contribution to the book, but that, that just covered well, it. Huh? You know, behind every man there is a phenomenal woman. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, um, Mark, can you tell us a little bit about your story so our audience can understand what has happened in your life? Well, I am a uh, product of the south side of Chicago, born and raised, and uh, I came from very good stock. My parents, Betty and Eugene Redmond, raised us in a Christian household, me and my three sisters, and um, Growing up, I did the usual knuckleheaded things that most young men did growing up in the 70s. And I say as I got older, I began to stray from some of the things that I knew that my parents would not approve of. And it, and it led to making some unhealthy choices in my life. And uh, it led me to the point where I, I went through a divorce. Um, although me and my ex-wife are, are co-parenting wonderfully, um, just just those changes and and just just a multitude of things, and I think the culminating uh, act for writing the book was the amputation, and I think that was God's wake-up call to me and say, hey, you need to get yourself together. Okay. This is not what I have in store for you. Okay, what was amputated and why? Uh, actually, about, I would say maybe 2009, 2010, I've, been a, I've always been an avid basketball player, and I had uh, fractured my foot, and it just wasn't healing right. So I went to the doctor after putting it off, as men normally do when we think something's wrong, we kind of... You know, we want to put a Band-Aid on it and kind of wish it away. Mm -hmm. I went to the doctor, and this wasn't healing right. doctor tells me, well, your foot is infected because you have diabetes. That contributed to the slow healing. So that just led to a, a snowball effect with problems with my foot till it got to the point where I had to get it amputated. Is that when you discovered you had diabetes, or had you known all of it? 
I knew because of my my family history that I okay. I was borderline, but I I was always in pretty good shape, so I thought I could stave it off as long as possible. But that's when things really started to just go downhill. Yeah, because of my foot. So you uh, kind of experienced uh, things that many people, maybe most people, go through. The loss of parents, uh, divorce, fatherhood, mm-hmm. save amputation. But you felt the need to write about all of it. So do you think that you can, uh, in your book, do you attempt to offer people a new perspective on how to cope with it? I will say that um, being an amputee, there was, that. I mean, I was at a low point. I can't even tell you how many times I, I've tripped and fallen or needed assistance to take a shower or I couldn't drive for a long time. And, and then came the ridicule and, and the looks that I got because I needed a mobility device to get around. So it was just a very demoralizing point. But then it became a humbling experience because I know that I'm from a good stock and I know that I'm a fighter and I can I can persevere this. So I began to start doing things and, and, and making proactive moves, not, not just with my foot, but with other aspects of my health. And um, that that really started changing things. See, I, I would never, I, I would not have, I couldn't look at you and know that it was that difficult because you swaggered in here pretty smooth, you know? Oh, I, I, it, it, I have my swagger moments, but it's a, it's a little bit of a, a challenge every now and then. Beverly always has to tell me, watch what you're doing, put your feet up, this, that, and other. So I, I try to maintain, but it, 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 it's difficult. And even now I have ongoing challenges. Uh-huh. I will always be in a, a, a specialized shoe, and I will always have periodic visits where I have to go see my podiatrist. So this is n- this is not the end. This will be an ongoing thing for the entirety of my life. So Marquel, it seems that writing your book was literally an act of faith. Absolutely. And so what was revealed to you through that writing of Revelations? I am a fighter. I am a fighter. And I've always talked a good game, but now I put talk to action. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I realize I can do this. And one of my goals is maybe uh, somewhere down the line to participate in possibly Paralympic games. Mm. So it's not just going to stop with just walking. Right. I'm going to try to, you know, transcend this a little further. Wow. And inspire somebody else. Right. Beverly, you've been on this journey. Yes. You want to tell us when it began and um, what has your experience been? Uh, Mark and I met, I want to say we (laughs) met in fall of 2014. And when we started dating, I would say that it wasn't necessarily that, that he came out and told me what was going on. But I would like to say there was some revelation going on Mm. for me at the same time, just watching him. So when he did sit down and tell me and said, hey, this is going on in my life. And do you think you're up for the ride? 
I kept it a secret from her for a while, a, a, a long while, time. A good while. But um, his wife is smarter <laughs> than sometimes <laughs> than he might think. Uh, his now wife is smarter. But I, uh, I was sitting there looking and thinking, and I have preached diversity my entire life. If you've known me, if you've mm-hmm. been around me, yeah. part of my former title had diversity in it. So I worked on those things. I have a sister who's a diabetic. My dad is a diabetic. It was onset for him in his senior years, but through health and exercise, he was able to stave it off too right. until that final moment. I knew those things. So to say that I would not date or would not consider love if it came in a different package, I wasn't prepared to walk away. At that point, and I would say that was my revelation mm-hmm. out of it mm-hmm. that you're on board, kiddo, for the journey. Right. This particular person loves you and also needs you, and being a partner with him it has been my pleasure absolutely my pleasure. So, um, getting to the book itself has been a labor of love. Being able to transition, I'm still a a PR professional, but being able to use my skills on this side of things Mm -hmm. has been something real. It's been a fun journey, and I look forward to where it's going to take us, and hopefully we'll get to a second book, and we'll come back and talk about that, too. And you have teenage children, correct? So, for Bev, what was it like going from being single with no children to being a step-parent with two almost adults. You know, for Noel and Kelsey, <coughs> who will listen to this at some point, hello. <laughs> and I hope, hope everything is going okay for you and can't wait to get back home to you. I don't know that I really took a huge amount of stock about what it was like to blend a family. What I do remember is that my parents both, as growing up, they were from blended families step-parents, and we just kind of all melded. So I really didn't think it was impossible. I knew it was possible. But what I will say, it takes an incredible amount of patience just to wait it out until the kids are ready, mm-hmm. to keep going back and forth at it. And it, I, I've been blessed. My journey has been relatively smooth. But to say that they may have, they have had questions, they have had thoughts, they have you know, needed that patience for me just to be Bev in their life. I've always said I don't want to take your mom's place. Mm-hmm. Both women are incredibly wonderful women. Couldn't compete with that. But no two things that I love your dad and I love you. And we've been able to grow since that time. And it just takes time feeding in that space that you are there. You're not going anywhere. Who is this woman who's appeared after 45 years of my <laughs> my dad's life? Who are you? <laughs> I, I'm here for him and I'm here for you. So you as a couple, do you both, is there a passage that you would share with our listeners that really speaks to either a passage that you love both of you the most or really speaks to what you've just been sharing with us, Bev? Well, I know Beverly has one, and that deals with the whole blended family. I have another one dealing Mm -hmm. with Dennis Rodman, believe it or not. Ah. <laughs> okay. Dennis Rodman? Dennis Rodman. So you're Kim Jong's friend, too? <laughs> By way of Dennis Rodman? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, let, let's hear it. Let's you want to do the Dennis Rodman piece? You want to read yeah, Dennis Rodman? Let's hear the okay. Dennis We're talking Dennis about Dennis. Let's talk about Dennis. One of my favorite basketball players is Dennis Rodman. Slight in build and stature for a power forward. What Dennis lacked physically 
he more than made up for it with a fierce tenacity and a playing style to utilize speed and leverage. Routinely outmatched by players larger and more talented than him, he led the NBA in rebounding for a record seven consecutive years. He inspired teammates and fans alike by diving for loose balls, often landing in the stands. He did what others weren't willing to do. He got dirty for the cause of winning. God puts us all in perfect positioning for rebounding and recovering the promises of salvation. Opportunity after opportunity is granted by God for redemption in our lives. Are you willing, like Dennis, to battle opposition and strife that is much stronger and bigger than you? Do you possess the wherewithal to get dirty for God's cause? What are you trying to reclaim in your life? Is it forgiveness for a wrong committed by you? Might it be the pain of a broken commitment? Or is it the sting of a failed business venture? Whatever you have lost, God wants you to go into the paint with the giants, box out, grab, and take back what you missed, and then some. Wow. You know, it, wow. It's, I think it's amazing that you have that kind of uh, insight to Dennis Rodman. Because even though I was a fierce Bulls fan, all I remember is the wedding dress. <laughs> you know, I think his, I think dress, his antics kind of overshadowed how great a player that he was. Mm -hmm. But if you would listen to some of the, the, the sports um, mm -hmm. newscasters, they would always say, he's this, he's that. You know, they tried mm -hmm. to actually accentuate his positive, but the antics in the public were just a little interesting. Kind of like somebody else we know on the political scene huh <laughs> <laughs> but i don't know if there's any substance under there <laughs> or or anything else he no. doesn't look too much no comment. like a good beverly what's either. what is your um passage my passage okay i'm just going to give a paragraph or so about it having begun my journey as a mother figure almost three years ago when I started dating my mark, I approached my kids, Noel at 16 and Kelsey at 18, as a partner. Together, Mark and I, in conjunction with Sabrina, Kelsey's mother, and Victoria, no Noel's mother, co-parent our children. My role is not that of disciplinarian or provider. Instead, I discovered there is room in a blended family for a great listener, an advocate, an encourager, advisor, and a respected friend. My role as co-parent is not to usurp the authority of the children's biological mothers. These ladies are amazing. I would never be so presumptuous to think I could do a better job of raising their children than themselves. It, it, it has been important to me that Noel and Kelsey clearly understand two things. I love their father and I want nothing but the best for them. I love them unconditionally and they can trust that love. So what was that enough for the children once they came to that realization about how about your uh, dedication and devotion to their father or or my son Kelsey 18 19 year old boy he's like uh okay whatever as long as you're cool I'm cool my daughter took a minute it took a minute because I, I teenage girls she, it just took a minute they're going through their own stuff. I was trying to say, I got five of them, five, so right. I feel you your pain. Right. So <laughs> it, it took her a minute, but now, as I said before, Beverly is the the shiny new toy. So when we get together as a family, it's I'm going to go with Bev. Dad, you do your thing. So. Can Beverly come get us? Right. <laughs> but there's always I need my dad time also. Right. I think the big compliment paid to me, our, our Noel has sickle cell. And we can talk about that at some other at some other point in time, but she went through a crisis, and we were at the hospital. I had come in 
done some things, and it was all of us in there together. And she made a comment after I left and went home to her dad. She said, you know, I love Beverly. Oh. And that, like, whew, that mm -hmm. takes my breath away. Mm -hmm. And then she said, I think I almost love her more than you do, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, but uh -huh. it, it's, it, that, that was a real full circle moment that I knew we had really transcended. Do you feel that the the process of you writing the book as a man and then the process of you writing a book as a couple, do you feel that the children were kind of part of that process in some ways, even if they weren't writing down stories or sitting there with you, but that it it, it became it became a f well, you know what one of the the, the uh, main points in the book was my relationship with my son mm -hmm. and it was not always on the best of terms mm -hmm. and I had to realize that I'm a teacher by profession I can't be a mentor to other students and not be a mentor I see. to my own son so I, I talk about that and the relationship and how the relationship has developed into where it is today. Mm -hmm. So I, I think they indirectly had a big part. I could okay. not have finished the book right. without touching on, on my, my son's relationship and my daughter's relationship. Mm -hmm. So they, they had a tremendous part. Mm -hmm. But you know, with teenagers, nothing impresses them. Right. Oh, you wrote a book, okay. Does it have pictures? <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? Right. <laughs> What's in there about us? Uh, I think for me, the big thing that Revelations of a Real Man or Woman brings for the kids mm -hmm. is that the, they're their dad's legacy. Mm -hmm. They have his strength. They have his tenacity. They have his drive, his vision, and that he didn't give up for them. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that he's here. And no matter what's going on in their world, they can make it too. Um, that diabetes gene, it, it still lives, and we still have to be precautious for them. Mm -hmm. So this is their legacy, that they can make it. They're equally as strong, and this is what their dad went through just to be around for them. As a couple, you guys yeah. seem just really great, and I'm sure Thank it's coming you. across to the audience. Mm -hmm. But Love tell us them. how it is to work with your husband on projects and you know, together on endeavors such as this. Well, we, we, we argued just a second ago about a parking <laughs> spot, whether we're going to park across the street or in front of the studio. Let me so. tell you. <laughs> <laughs> we're both very strong-willed people mm -hmm. and both uh, come from a professional background, both in front of people all the time. He knows he's right. I know I'm right. So somewhere we got to figure out who's go whose idea is going to win <laughs> at some but time. But I, I think the... the, the the good thing about working together with the book, um, vo Beverly's vocabulary is just yeah. off the charts. <laughs> so she said some words that I just, I had to go to a, a, a dictionary. <laughs> she did it to me out in the lobby. <laughs> right. Uh, she does it to me all the time. So I have to. Did I do that? I have to go back and, and, and yep. look. And it, it brought us kind of close because when I needed a word, I went to my walking to source right here <laughs> to, to figure it out. And she was like, no, use this or use that. And so I, I have gained a lot of, I, 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 I'm married to the smartest woman in the world. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, uh, Thank you. <clears throat> it is it is a Valentine's <laughs> Day. <laughs> I, I have something special to say. Uh -huh. uh, 
We at Bring It On are proud to have played a facilitating role in the union of uh, <laughs> Mark and Bev. <laughs> Because you guys, you know, you just, you look great together. You work great together. But uh, I want to ask you a question about, let's talk about the title of the book. Mm -hmm. Revelations of a Real Man or Woman. And you're talking about the choices of a son, brother, father, and husband. So other than what Bev contributed to the book, Mm -hmm. what can women take away from that part of the conversation? Well, you know what? It's interchangeable. The same uh, afflictions and conflicts that I ran into, women uh, deal with all the time. They deal with divorce. They deal with blended families. Um, Diabetes is something that afflicts African-American women just as as, as vehemently as as African-American men. Mm -hmm. So the the title could have easily been Revelations of a Real Woman or Man. So it's, it's... pretty much interchangeable. I would also add to that, dear, that Revelations, <laughs> we're wives, we're mothers, we're sisters, and I can't tell you how many times, whether we're in church or we're somewhere else, I need this book for my son. I need this book for someone else. So it's for women too, whether you want to take the lessons and apply them for you, mm-hmm. or whether you have someone that you want to read it with, mm-hmm. give it to, mm-hmm. it, it's for us too. What do men go through? What are some of the struggles, particularly because we're on Bring It On and we're talking about African-American issues? What is it like to have that pride of afraid of going to the doctor? What are the risks if you don't? What are those things? There's some real truths in here that maybe you can't say or you're tired of saying over and over to your loved one, but this book can get to them and maybe jog their that stick to itiveness and say, hey, get on out there. Go. Go do something for yourself. So you were uh, telling us about a pretty ambitious book tour that you have scheduled. So what I'm wondering what it was like getting things started and and where are you now? Well, we self-published and uh, we went through a company called Christian Faith Publishing. And it was a very labor intensive, expensive venture um but one of the things that i'm i'm totally blessed to have is a partner who has the knowledge of how to uh do things as far as in the public relations realm and communication so she gave me the template as far as what do i need to do for a book signing and do this and not to do this so i um we started with our, our first book signing in December, and we have one. Actually, we have one here in Bloomington on the 23rd, 23rd. of February mm-hmm. at Griffin Realty. I think the address is 735 South, South College, 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 College Avenue mm-hmm. um, here in Bloomington, and that will be from 6 to 9 p.m. It's an open house. We want you to come by. We have uh, books and we just don't do books. We have the total, we are total production. We are revelations of a real man or woman production. We have t-shirts, we have pens, we have refreshments. So we give you a total experience. Yeah. A total experience. And um, so the book will be on sale? Yes. Yes. 
It is on and sale. Uh, if you're headed to the book signing with us, $20 gets the entire package for you. And for any reason that you're listening to this after book signing or you just cannot be there, we are available, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, online, Amazon, Spring Arbor, all of that. Do you have a website? Uh, Facebook, dear. Yes. Yeah, yeah Facebook. Facebook. Okay, yeah. so you're on social media. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Facebook is the new website. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> is there an audio version? Not yet. No, we, uh, there is a, a e-book version, mm-hmm. uh, but not an audio yet. We're trying to narrow down who we're going to have to. Beverly. I to narrate, will, you know. To narrate. Beverly. I think it will be Beverly. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Will, you have you you have an outstanding speaking voice, so you might be in consideration also. I, I, I might be. Co-narrate. Yeah. It could yeah. be a project. We could do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because someone like me mm-hmm. with, you know, I have issues with my vision. So I'm always looking for an audio version. Okay. Absolutely. That's book. a good point. Very good point. So where where's uh, the next stop on the book tour? Well, after and, we, and tell us about the rest of the tour. Okay. Mm-hmm. After we leave here on the 23rd, mm-hmm. we're going back to Chicago. We have a panel that we're sitting on at Truman College in the city. And then we're at the Chicago Public Library, the Wrightwood Auburn Ashburn branch on the 28th. And and you've had a couple of uh, events in Chicago already, right? Yes. Yes. So how how did those work out? Books do not sell themselves. So you have (laughs) to get out there and and, and I feel feel like a politician. You have to shake hands and kiss babies and and, and just you have to really put yourself out there. You really do. Uh, As much as uh, people love you and know about you, you do have to sell Mm -hmm. your book even to those who do know you. Why should I expend money on this? Why should I do that? So you really do have to pay attention even to the folks that, you know, and they the like biggest mistake yeah. I made was trying to push myself by myself. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I have the greatest resource under the same roof. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, you know what? From now on, any speaking engagements I have to do, I need you. Because you can bring a a, a, a level of, of, what's the word I'm looking for? She'll find it. Right. She'll find it. Gravitas. There you go. (laughs) Right. I told you, she's the shiny new toy in Chicago. She does. Right. Um, So I I am going to take Beverly wherever I go, whatever book stops I have. So this is not just my right hand. This is my rib. I think that's so that is very, very flattering. But I do think that the piece that people really respond to is when we start talking about our family and our relationship. And then you're able to talk about other things along with that. So uh, it's a tag team effort. Absolutely. Did any of the uh, other family members contribute to the book? Like the extended family. Well, I make mention of my sisters. Uh, I have some aunts and uncles that were outstanding, uh, an outstanding help to me when I was going through my convalescent period that they brought by food and, and, and helped me. My Aunt Sonora and Aunt Grace and mm-hmm. uh, 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 just a multitude of people. I have outstanding neighbors who have played a part in my rehabilitation. So it... it it was a community. It was definitely a, a village. So you had a really strong support network. 
Absolutely. That's essential. A lot of people don't have that. And Mm -hmm. I will say it was rooted with my parents, Betty and Eugene. They they put it all in place. Mm So tell us, what is your wish about this book? Where, where do you see it moving forward, and how do you see it fitting in today's culture? Hmm. You want to take that one yeah, first? Yeah, i take okay. it. Right. Um, first of all, I want it to be a bestseller. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I think it's not just getting the word out. It's touching and impacting. And... Everybody that I've encountered who's read the book said, oh, man, you really went deep and you really exposed some things that I, I thought about. And, and there's a lot of stuff in the book that I, I really go in depth with that I can't talk about on air. But it, it, it really moved a lot of people. And to me, that's the hallmark of a good author. If you can touch people, then your work is done. Yes, we don't want to give away too much of the book. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> Our bestseller would be wonderful. Uh-huh. I would adore that. It's already been an award-winning book. Uh, it has earned the Royal Dragonfly Book Award. So it has been stamped by some other folks out there besides us to say that, yes, this is a good read. This is something that's great for you. But beyond that, I, I wanted to empower people to say that change is possible, but change does take work. While this is very much a faith-based book, uh, there is some work that has to go behind your faith to make you go and propel you to the next level. You just won't arrive. But if you do the work incrementally, you certainly will reap that reward. If it's in your health, if it's in your family, there is no sacrifice that will be wasted if you put the time in. So if there's any legacy to the next generations or empowerment, it's that change is possible. You don't have to stay the same. We won't always be all at the same level, mm-hmm. but you do not have to stay the same. Um, I'd like to mention again that Mark's book signing is Friday, February 23rd, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at Griffin Realty, 735 South College Avenue. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Don't thank you. It. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so our thanks to Mark Well and Beverly Redmond for joining us this evening to promote their award-winning book, Revelations of a Real Man or Woman. A miraculous story of faith, fidelity, and family. Shake a hand, shake a hand now. We hope you enjoyed listening to our two Christmas Eve interviews from the year 2018. On behalf of the Bring It On crew, we want to wish you and yours a Merry Christmas. Bring It On's producer is yours truly, Clarence Boone. Our executive producer is WFHB News Director Wes Martin, who helped put tonight's program together. Tonight's recurring theme song was the holiday classic, This Christmas, by the late Donny Hathaway. Be sure to tune in next Monday, December 31st at 6 p.m. for another exciting broadcast right here on your community radio station, WFHB. Merry Christmas Shake a hand, shake a hand